Welcome to the Everyday Church Podcast. It's a show designed to talk about how God can use small church, ordinary church, everyday church. Your hosts are Barry Littleford and Jordan Dorsey, two small-time pastors who think about this stuff a lot. We welcome you to today's show. All right, well, hello and, and welcome to episode six of the Everyday Church Podcast. You got it right. I got it right. We did check before we started, but yes, episode six, we've made it. Um, it's good to be with you today, whether you've joined us from your car or while you're mowing the lawn or maybe you're trying to have a nap, but it's, uh, it's good to have you with us. Um, and today we're going to get straight into our topic. We actually received an email over the past couple of weeks and it says this, I wonder if you'd be willing to talk about the importance to understanding culture the effect of culture, the power of culture, and the impact of getting the culture right? That is a, is a huge question. Massive question. Massive question. And we're going to do our best to just unpack it. It might take one episode. It might take 17 episodes. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just see how it goes, really. Um, but Barry, why don't you kick us off? Um, what is culture? Well, basically, culture is, an, is, is said and an unsaid way in which people uh, work together. Mm-hmm. And so every church has a culture, even the most um, successful churches, the large churches, the big churches, they all have cultures in them, Mm. um, but the culture can either be a negative or a positive. And so if you've got what they call a healthy culture, then that can really spur your church forward and people get on page and people adopt the culture. I mean, I think one of the churches that I'm most impressed with with their culture would be Hillsong. Mm. They just have a fantastic culture yeah. of developing people, about releasing people into their gifts, and, and they breed it into every single person who comes along. Mm-hmm. This is what we're on about. You either jump on what we're doing or don't jump on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what culture does. But when you come to a church and, and say you, you're coming to help out in the leadership of a, a small church of about 20 or 30 people or maybe coming on board as a pastor to a 80 to a 100 year old church it comes already gift wrapped <laughs> with culture and yeah. and one of the reasons why church planting is so big in the states is because changing the culture takes so much energy mm. that what um, people want to do is they say well we're going to start a brand new church where from the very start we can yeah embed the culture that we want mm-hmm. and have people jump on board at the very start with that culture and then it and then we can move forward yeah. and that's why you see those churches when they get it right accelerate massively yeah but when you come to a really small little church <clears throat> that has its culture uh, already established to actually start to change that it takes work and it takes some energy. Yeah, I could imagine. I think the word culture has been uh, kind of circulating in Christian circles probably forever. But as long as I've been part of the church, the word culture comes up in every meeting, every conversation. It's kind of that overused word. Um, So it gets kind of confusing. I know for me, when I was first starting out, it it was a confusing word because people would talk about how uh, we want to be a church that has the culture of generosity. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's, that's great. But then... That's obviously one specific aspect of our culture, but some people want to put that that we want to just be a church that's generous. And I remember I was listening to uh, Craig Rochelle. He was it was in one of his church sermons, and he was talking about how when they started out, because Life Church started out in his garage, mm. 
Um, and he said the very first week that they rocked up, they had people, which is, I think, having a church in a garage, well done, you got 20, 30 people, good, good job. I think he had 100 or so oh, people there in his yeah, garage. I don't want to discuss that. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's but, America, man. Yeah, it's America. I know. But uh, they were passing around the offering bowl and he felt not, he wanted to have a generous church and he felt the nudge of God that when they put around the offering bowl that he wanted to offer that if you want to take any money out of the offering bowl because you need it, do it. Um, and he said to he said in the, in the in his sermon that he wanted to set that in the beginning because he knew it'd be really hard to set that three years down the track. So obviously this whole idea of culture, you want to establish it in the beginning, but if you can't, you got to change culture. You do, and changing culture is really hard. I mean, there's a there's an old leadership saying that goes back, well, it's been around Adelaide for ages, and that is is that culture eats vision for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you can come in with whatever vision you like, but if you don't address the culture, uh, that will chew up your vision and mm-hmm. and spit it out, and and you won't get anywhere. And so. Uh, and the culture is different to change depending on your size of the church. And not a lot of people realize this, that when, the, when your church is smaller, um, it, it's, in some ways it's easier and harder to change. And when it's bigger, it, it takes a lot more leadership strength to change. Yeah, yeah. So smaller, it's more about personal interactions and getting alongside mm. and, uh, and finding the key people. In a larger one, it's actually about leading from the front well mm. and addressing the hidden hidden stuff within culture um, uh, along the way. Now, there's a there's a story that I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a great story um, about a about a church that whenever it it said the Lord's prayer, the church would stand up and face the back and recite the church the Lord's prayer facing the back of the church. And then we'll turn around and sit back down. And a new pastor came in and, and go, why do you do that? And nobody could work out why they stood up and turned around. that had always just done it. Yeah, yeah, wow. And, and until one day he found out that the Lord's Prayer at one stage was projected on the back wall. <laughs> and so the congregation would stand up, turn around and read it on the back wall. And the the avenue would, would just stay there. Wow. And, and the same when we came to Gawler. Uh, Gula as the in the morning service as the offering is taken up everybody stands up as the money comes down yeah and, and I've said to everyone in the church why do we do this no one can tell me why we do it we just do it we don't do it in other churches in the uniting church it's not a uniting church thing but it's definitely a Gawler uniting church thing and it's fascinating well when I first came to Gawler I, I thought well I'll go to the evening service and I felt right at home but I thought I'll, I'll come try the morning service I was so lost. I couldn't believe the amount of things that were just implied. Mm. And I think that was really a part of the kind of culture that we were stepping into is that you had to kind of have this implied knowledge that when the offering comes forward, you stand up. That uh, when the worship leader says, stand for the next song, everyone sits down until the organist does a, a three-bar intro. But yet me, being, the, being there for the first time, I hear stand up. I stood up. I was the only one in the church that stood up yeah. at the beginning of the song. And it's interesting with that, that the culture is set and new people walk in and they don't fit and they feel left out. And I did. And it was quite interesting how I felt different to the rest of the group because of how that culture was set. And so this is the very first lesson that I want to teach you about culture. Mm. You don't have to change every single bit of culture. You've got to pick the culture that uh, is limiting 
uh, where you believe God is wanting to take you in your vision mm. uh, and change that culture. But other cultures, you can just leave, even though they don't appeal to you. But, it, but if they're harmless, then they're harmless. Now, people standing up for the offering is harmless. All I've started to do is give it meaning. So I say, okay, we're going to stand up as the offering comes forward. And we stand up as a recognition that we're giving our whole selves to God, yeah. not just our money. And so I've added a, a meaning to what, it, what was already there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I go to another church and when I go to another church, will I want people to stand up for the offering? No way. Mm. Uh, I, I don't see it as that theologically important. But yeah. somewhere down the track, someone said to this congregation, you've got to stand up for the offering. Mm. And, and so they do. And so it's about picking the culture that is really important mm. to change within the life of the church. Now, a lot of the culture is unsaid. Mm. And it's kind of like being a child, you know, being a, a teenager adopted into uh, a someone else's home. So mm. when Kelly and I were starting out in ministry, we took a couple of teenage girls uh, in who mm. were homeless and we gave them a place to stay and, and uh, we loved them through a really difficult part of the time. But what we realized is that they had no understanding of the culture that <coughs> Kelly and I wanted to uh, had as a home and and so they'll come in with their culture and we would have our culture and then there'll be all these kinds of disagreements because mm. the culture didn't uh, match up mm. whereas when we had kids the kids grew up in the culture and so implicitly knew the culture mm. and so if you're someone coming in from the outside which a lot of leadership does when it changes over is that you've got to start asking questions about why people do what they do to try and unpack the hidden culture that's within the life of the church. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've discussed in our previous episode about vision, and vision's all about embracing new people in. We talked about it even with our website design. You want to design your website so that people on the outside can look in. And I think in a way, we want our culture to reflect that spirit as well, that we actually want people to walk in and feel like they can be embraced by the culture rather than hitting up against the culture. So for instance, um, you know, you, you'd use the analogy of people coming into your family structure that you know there's lessons to be learned and but you want to make the culture embracing in such a way that someone new can feel at home as they learn the ins and outs of it so i think culture is definitely something that i think you can't talk enough about and, and i think you're right you want to kind of uh put different elements of culture in different categories and you, you kind of put them in a list of what's the most harmful existing culture and what's the least and you kind of work down from there um, so, for instance, standing up for the offering, well, whatever, just do no. it, you know, but, but there but, are other things. But if you address. have, for instance, a culture of works within your congregation, mm. that the majority of the people say, well, to earn God's favor, we have to work hard. Mm. And, and I've seen churches who have that culture. Uh, it's not about your relationship with God. It's just about doing the right thing. And it's about working hard for the kingdom of God, mm. despite the fact that you're not interacting with God, you're not growing yourself spiritually, you're not doing any of the key things, you're not discipling other people. It's just about running stuff. Mm. That's an unhealthy culture. Oh, yeah. And the church is never going to grow, never going to walk forward with that culture being embedded there. And so you've got to tackle that culture and, and that uh, is a very, very long process to do. Yeah. So really, I think what you have to do when it comes to church culture 
is look at what you're trying to achieve as a church that you're not yet achieving. Because I think that's what's going to identify you the holes in your culture, in what you've set up. So for instance, if you're a church that wants to engage families, you want to get the mum and dad and the teenagers and the toddlers all together wanting to come to a service, you've got to look at your culture and say, well, why, where, where are we not... Um, facilitating that for them is it perhaps the time of our service is it the style of our service but then as you dig deeper and I think I've experienced this from different churches from time to time is that there's a culture that when there's a noise in the back of the room you look and I I think as a family if you're bringing in a young child and your child makes a murmur dare even cries and you get 20 people turning their heads to the back of the church and looking at you whether that look is out of concern or whether it's something more sinister, you're going to feel judged and families aren't going to stay. And it's about looking at that and saying, okay, well, how can we address that culture flaw? Because that's not necessarily achieving what we want to achieve in our church. We want families. How can we enable it so families feel welcome all the time? You've got to set that culture. And that might mean changing the service time, upping the music style, encouraging those lookers to stop looking and allow families to be a part of it. It's about leading from the front and and thanking and praising God that there are children crying in our church and that some churches don't have that blessing. And and, and constant communication does change culture. Mm. And so if there is a culture gap that you have, and particularly if you're over 50 or 60 people, mm. uh, to to do some sort of proclamation about not about the culture that you see, but the culture you want to embed, mm. uh, then that gives people an, an explanation of why it's important. That will give room for about 80%, I reckon, of the people to shift. Mm. Uh, if your explanation is good, if uh, it's it sound biblically, then you, will, um, then you will shift about 80% of the people. Now there's another 20% that you won't shift. Mm. And those 20% are, um, are ones that you will either have to uh, get alongside uh, personally Mm. or you just let them uh, feel the weight of the other 80% and and you just tell them to suck it up, basically. Yeah, yeah. I I think, for instance, in the time that I've spent at Mahala, there's been some subtle culture changes that I've had to influence myself. Mm. Um, And what I've really found is the most crucial thing with that is speaking it to the leadership. So whether you have uh, paid staff, non-paid staff, whatever, um, you, you as a pastor, you as a leader should have a team around you. Whether you're a part of that team or whether you lead that team, I think that there's, there's a lot of room to start speaking culture in there because you can speak quite bluntly with your leadership team and you can say, well, I see a huge deficit here we need to rectify it. And this is the way I think we should do it. What do you think? And getting your team to really start thinking about how they can own the culture. Because as, as the pastor or as the leader, you can lead from the front. You can lead by example in how you live out your life. But you're one person in a congregation of 10, 15, 20, 100, yeah, 200 true. people. You've got to get people on side. And that's where I think the cups of tea, I think that's the personal visits come into that as well and saying, I need your help. We, I, you've got to see this issue and you've got to, you've got to help this church. Um, so, you know, you go to someone and say, hey, we, we, we've lost the past three families that have come into our church. How, how can you help us? Mm. How can we do this together? Because if you've got a leadership team of five, ten people and you all start living this out and you start speaking this out in how you lead your different groups, you'll find that the, um, the flow of this culture change will happen quite quite quickly compared to you just trying to do it by yourself. 
you, the very first group of people you've got to convince is your leadership team. Mm, mm. Uh, if they can't see the benefit in it, if you've got a leadership team of maybe five to ten people, mm. uh, however your church is structured, and you can't convince them that this is an important culture change, mm. you're not going to convince the rest of the church. Yeah, that's right. uh, they are leaders for a reason. Mm. Um, you know, and you can believe that they're God-appointed leaders or, or whatever, but they're usually leaders um, because they lead. Yeah. And so uh, if you, they've got to lead with you in a culture change. Now, they're not the only leaders in the congregation, particularly if you've got a congregation between 50 and, and 80 or 100 or something like that. You have uh, other people who aren't in leadership positions but who are still influential yeah. in leaders and they might have been leaders in the past who've retired but not really retired from leadership mm. um, who, who like to have their say you've got to get alongside of them as well and you've got to um, outline to them um, exactly why you believe this culture change is important mm. and and get them on board again if you can't get them on board then you just need to go back on your knees mm. and pray it through and work it through uh, until you have when you're in a smaller congregation, um, there's usually what's called a, a matriarch or a patriarch or a key person who holds the power within the life of the congregation. If you can't win them, everything is lost when yeah. it comes to culture. Mm, certainly. Yeah, it was, it's a challenge. Uh, and I, I think as we're kind of wrapping up this part, I feel like we need to probably do a couple of different episodes on this. Um, I think if you're tuning in today and, and you know, or, or you were the person that asked the question, and you're really wanting to get this conversation out there, it does start with you going to your leadership team. Your leadership team should have a group of leaders of their own as well. So if you're talking to your youth pastor, your youth pastor should have a youth team and you want to flow this conversation on and saying, okay, well, as a church, are we achieving everything that we're trying to set ourselves out to do? And if we're not, where is the culture flaw? Because I guarantee if you're not achieving what you want to achieve, there is a culture flaw at play that you need to address. And that would be what I would think would be number one and two on your harmful culture list. You know, you've mm. got to work your way down and think, well, we want to you know, bring about a real culture of prayer. Well, what's getting in the way of that? And so I think that you got to go and the next meeting you have with them, you might even have to set a special meeting for it. Bring before them this concern, this thinking, this prayer and saying, how can we shift this? Because if you try and do it on your own as a leader, I think you're going to fail. I think if you just try and embody it yourself, you're going to fail. I think you've got to get your leadership on, on board. That's why they're there. And it will take you every bit of your leadership skill um, to bring it about. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, if you can't articulate a why the culture needs to change, mm. a why it's important and get your leadership on, on side, um, then you're not going to do it with the rest of the church. And so you really got to start there. You've you got to um, work it through, pray it through, uh, bring scriptures to mm. bear on why this culture has to uh, change and why it has to be different. And so, for instance, the example of the works mm. mentality you've got to um, we're going through Galatians at the moment and that is a book if, if you've got a cultural work that you want to bring to bear on that subject because it's all about works versus grace and and so you want to bring that to bear and get your leadership un understanding not just accepting but 
understanding why it is biblical to go to the culture that you do. And lastly, uh, as we wrap this up, is is Bill Hybel says is that if you want to lead people from here to there, you've got to tell them why here can no longer works yeah. to get them to there. Yeah. And so you've got to lay down that foundation of why we can't stay with the culture that we're staying with and we've got to move forward. Yeah, certainly. Uh, huge discussion today. I hope you, you found it helpful for yourself and hopefully you can share it with your leadership team. Even if you want to share this podcast with them to listen to it prior to your meeting, but it's starting to get this conversation rolling because if you don't, like Barry said, your vision's going to start watering down. It's not going to work. You're not going to engage the people in your church that you want to engage. And that's what church is all about, engaging new people. And it starts with your culture. So I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Uh, share it around. Send us your emails. Uh, more topics. Bring them in. More questions, by all means. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Church podcast, where we seek to be a help to the everyday church. Our show notes can be found at openministries.net, and you can also become interactive by liking the Everyday Church podcast Facebook page. We trust that you've enjoyed today's show.